if I was not a perfectionist, I was going to get abused. Mm -hmm. If I was not, if I, if I didn't do this food fucking perfectly, I would be a failure. Yeah. And those are the things that made me super serious, made me a perfectionist. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Today, we had Trevor Bird on the podcast. If you didn't know, Trevor Bird is Canada's top chef, extremely uh, awarded chef, uh, businessman, entrepreneur, owner of uh, Fable Kitchen and Meet Me uh, as well here in Vancouver. Uh, one of, you know, hands down, one of Vancouver's most established and, you know, awarded restaurants, farm to table, uh, great guy all around. As much as he's an outstanding chef, uh, outstanding businessman, he's also an outstanding uh, man. And just in general. So we dived into that a ton. We dived into uh, the, the business of owning a restaurant, what the culture is here in Vancouver. Uh, he, he actually went deep into his personal struggles development. We talked about the ego and uh, we talked about, you know, self-identity. We talked about everything, man. So definitely uh, thank you so much for, for Trevor coming by here. Go check out his restaurant. Go check out Meet Me as well. And uh, we'll link that all in the show notes. Thanks, guys. And enjoy. Trevor, I'll start off by saying... I want to talk about food, but as, as, as in preparation for this podcast, I was like, it's such a travesty if I just talk about food or if I get Trevor to talk about food. Like, I think you're, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're at a point in your life where like food doesn't, you know, you're not in the kitchen 16 hours a day like you once were. And I feel like you've just, you know, going through, you know, what you post online and your writing and talking to you in person, it seems like food is just one dimension of you now and you've kind of grown into this multifaceted person um how thank you for that i appreciate that i mean that's that's, what it seems like that's nice that's uh it's nice to hear i think i think like growing up throughout all of our lives we get pretty fused with an identity right and we all like i am a chef and i am a podcaster i am this i am that and then it's like when, when people think of trevor burton even me five years ago i'd be like I am a chef and I would be everything I would do would be revolved around this this idea of me being a chef. So everything I did was revolved around food, but when you start to take off those lenses and start to kind of get a broader scope of the world and your consciousness, then you're kind of just a guy that likes to cook, that likes to do many other things as well. And that's also very good at cooking yes. and that it's nationally renowned for cooking. So yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> um, it, too bad we don't get nationally renowned for being a good man or being a good father or any of those things. Good but. one. I was on Top Chef Canada. There should be like right. top conscious male. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because top conscious males differ from Canada to the US. Yeah. Just throw saying? triggers at them. Like for sure. guys hitting on their girlfriends and yeah. shit and see how everybody deals with it. Yeah, completely neutral, completely there. Yeah, I love it. Um, but you have a you've weaved a you've weaved a narrative which I think is like super interesting because to me, uh, chefs are these very much like like I've worked I worked in a kitchen for I don't know seven eight years as a kid, um, dish boy to prep cook to sous chef, just you know you know how it goes um, on Hornby Island, and it's like chefs are these like esoteric, hidden, like highly emotional, highly. Uh, burdened, highly conclusive or uh, reclusive people that kind of like don't let anybody into your lives. And as I go through and talk to you and go through like your socials and all that, I'm like, oh, this guy's just putting it out here. That seems very rare. Yeah. Was that very intentional? uh, I think so. I think that just being open and vulnerable and, and allowing people to see themselves in you and just making people realize that everybody has their struggles man no matter who you are from top to bottom rich or poor we all have our triggers they're probably not that different from a heroin addict on the street to a billionaire in the in the seat at the top whoa that's intense yeah i mean we we all like no matter the collective consciousness so to speak Mm. you know we we all have issues that we need to, to deal with and work through it's just some people use avoidant behavior and some people use workaholism. So some people are going to end up at the top and some people are going to end up at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And even though they're at the top, they're still going to be insanely anxious. Even when you're at the bottom, you're insanely anxious. And when you can create a conversation with a community of people and a group of people where you can begin to act for mirrors for other people and you can see yourself in somebody else. Mm. Like if somebody on the streets started to talk about their struggles and what made them end up there. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if you could be, hey man, I, I really, that resonates with me. Like there's some stuff in there, there's some childhood stuff and there's some stuff in there that really speaks to me and I can definitely attach that story in you. Mm. And and it's just about how we deal with it. So 
I think that, uh, you know, Brene Brown said it best. It's like vulnerability is power and putting vulnerability it out there. Vulnerability is and, power. Yeah. Wow. I haven't heard that one, but I can, couldn't agree more. Do you know Brene Brown? I do not. Yeah. I feel like, I, I don't know what kind of demographic, I don't even know what yeah. demographic listens to this podcast at all, but uh, she's a leadership speaker. And, Amazing. Uh, yeah. She, she does a lot. She has a show on Netflix. It's actually pretty funny. You should check it out. Okay. Plug, plug, uh, plug. To, I love how it. How to be a better leader, how to be vulnerable. It's, 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 a, it's a good show. That's awesome, man. I think... Uh, we that's the human narrative is so is so common like we are far less individualistic than i think maybe we realize like our struggles like your struggle is not just your struggle your struggle has been had many times and other people have navigated it around i i I mean i'm just speaking for myself here i get stuck up in a microcosm of like well my life is my life and all these details are very unique to me and how i navigate them are very unique to me and when the reality situation was it's probably not (laughs) it's <laughs> probably other people that have done this right oh absolutely like reaching out when i when i first started down this path of of i would say becoming an aware person uh i thought to myself this was when i first started opening my restaurant it was i was struggling heavily because i wasn't a good manager i did, i was out of control of my emotions and I'd say highly emotional people probably need the work the most to be able to f- actually get to the core of what's going on with them and I would always tell myself like somebody in the world does this, right? Somebody can do this successfully. It's like who? So uh, through reading books and trying to learn from those people that have navigated it before mm-hmm. and reading those books about how they did it. And then it's about like what what people speak to you. Like some people, Gary Vaynerchuk speaks to them. You know, they're like, yes, I love that drive and power. That guy stresses me the fuck out. <laughs> just um, hearing him talk. Oh my God. Slow it's down. Like, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. What am I doing? This isn't right. Like it's yeah. just everything you do is just not enough in his mind. So, yeah. you know, it depends on like who you resonate with and who you really, who you want to hear from and who you want the information to come from. But I mean, there's plenty of people that I've had. So there's, I mean, there's countless books on, if you are struggling in something like go to the library and take out a book on it. For sure. I, you, you spoke, you've spoken uh, before about your, your journey as a leader, your journey as a, a figure, even in the community, like owning kitchens and owning any business is not easy. Uh, and if you don't know the restaurant industry, like margins are slim and it's tough to even break even in, in many situations. Uh, you have an award-winning kitchen uh, and you're now pushing the boundaries. I mean, whether it's, you know, Fable with Fable Kitchen, Fable Diner, Meet Me. I actually don't own Fable Diner anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, no, no, my no. Gosh. We, we split up. Oh, hey, okay. All right. Well, yeah. you know what? Well, now with Fable Kitchen and, and Meet Me. Yeah. Um, either way, uh, you've still birthed some beautiful like babies some entities that are just like amazing and living out there and seem to be extremely prosperous um or at least you know we would recognize them as being that yeah but it couldn't have been like that always um and especially as a chef or as a young cook like cooks in my mind don't have you know starting out having been there just being a young cook don't have the skills to create award-winning businesses what was how did you bridge that gap this reminds me, this kind of makes me want to take down the, the, the conversation down a path of, of a lot of businesses and a lot of careers and things we do. I believe, this is my belief. It's not true. This is a theory. So this <laughs> is not it. like All I stone. say, it's everything I do is, is theory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I think that a lot of the stuff that we do is born in pain. Like, the, the, like my journey through the kitchen and building a business and working so goddamn hard at building this, this restaurant culture is born from a place of needing acceptance, wanting a community and not having it when I was younger. And a lot of people start going down their career paths without actually being aware of this. But, you know, next thing you know, the the guy is like helping all these people, but it's because he has this like deep seated nurture because he was never helped as a kid and he needs to help people to feel validated and feel accepted. And so I think that a lot of businesses are started like that. And much of my whole life, I mean, I would say up until very recently, that's why I was starting businesses because it was out of a, out of a place that I needed fulfilled within me because I wasn't happy with myself and I wasn't happy with the things that I've done with my life. So it was kind of a way to prove to other people looking in and looking at someone I was perceived as a success and I was perceived like I was doing all these things. But really, I was fucking killing myself and it was really goddamn hard. And then once I was like, man, like I don't need to be killing myself to be to be doing this mm. was, a, was a kind of a big moment for me. It seems like... I draw a lot of parallels with that. Um, it seems like for me, I have this like when you're when you're young, when you have that fire, and you're, you're drawing from a place of angst, as you kind of touched on earlier. I feel as if like I'm trying to bend glass. <laughs> 
right? Oh, I know. And you're like, either I'm going to bend this glass because I'm a god and I, I have the power to bend glass, or it's going to break everywhere into a thousand shards. And like, I'm cool with either outcome. You know, it's like there's a there's a, a hint of self self sabotage or like complete glory. And you're like, listen, it's one of the two, and I'm down with whatever. And so you kind of keep down this destructive behavior, or at least that's kind of my interpretation of it. And I know in a kitchen environment, you know, it can literally feel like that. Um, in terms of like, yeah, this 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 dish is going to turn out fucking beautiful, or like we should just close our doors and tell everybody to leave. <laughs> it's a it's a mental battle, man. Like like on a daily basis, like you have a great service and you feel great, or you have like a, you could even have a great service and feel like shit afterwards. And it's like everybody <laughs> loved the food, and you're just like, fuck, I just worked sixteen hours, and I'm so tired, and I hate everything right now. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a mindset thing. You know, you gotta you gotta attack it with a with a positive intention and a and a good outcome so how do you approach things now um you have clearly gone through some you've gone through the mud maybe you're still going through the mud i feel as if somewhere along the line there was a little bit of a a paradigm shift and i I feel like you're approaching things a different way maybe i'm wrong or how are you approaching business now yeah i mean i definitely think that you know we're all all constantly always going through the mud it's just about how you deal with that mud Mm. you could say it's the worst thing in the world you could say you know, this mud is fun and it's fun. Let's play and in it. And it cools me down a little bit. So <laughs> it's like, it's like, it, it depends on how you, how you perceive it and how, and how uh, you move through it. But I would say that a lot of it is definitely guided through my values more so before it, not to say that I didn't have any values, but they just mm. weren't clear. Mm. So I was just making moves based on perception because you hear, you know, I'm going to attach it back to the chef identity, but you hear chef and then you think of Gordon Ramsay and he has like 400 restaurants and all of this success and fame. And you're like, I want that. How do I do that? Open more restaurants, do more things. But really, is that truly making you happy? Or are you just like trying to put your, are you just trying to be perceived as a success? As a success. Yeah. Um, And convince yourself as you're a success as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the first thing uh, I have done the work that I have done. The two big things that really have helped me guide my future in terms of like how I navigate things is what do I want my perfect day to look like? Mm. And that is like for future work. And this is a good piece of journal writing or homework, but like, what do you want your perfect day to look like from the time you wake up and in half hour increments, to the time you go to bed? And what is that perfect day? So if things get in the way of my perfect day, I don't like it. <laughs> like I have a perfect day and like, you know, if things get in the way of 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 my my schedule, I, I definitely have a hard time with that. It's I'm a little bit rigid in that respect. Yeah. Um, but I definitely make decisions based upon that. Mm. Um, and uh, my definition of success, or what is your definition of success? Because everybody's is different. You know, it could be finances, it could be family, it could be whatever. But I'll tell you one thing: you have a kid, and everything fucking changes. Mm. Everything. Mm. And that was probably the hardest. I'll say blessing slash stick in my wheels I've ever had. Stick in your wheels? Well, at the time, not not having the awareness to deal with it, but just being like, oh, I'm having a kid. I'm going to keep on living my life the same way I am just with a kid kid around and not really being aware to the fact that, you know, you're you're responsible for raising a beautiful life life that that came from you and you want to give him the best possible outcomes where he does, he's not carrying the same pain as we were carrying, you know, because you have you like you said you want to bend glass and we don't want to pass that on to him and we we want to try to take away that angst in him and give him the tools so that when he grows up he can navigate that mm-hmm. and and be as successful as he can without having the anxiety depression whatever else mm-hmm. guilt shame, shame from not doing things properly so uh you know and, and even with my wife you know i was just like oh like i'm the breadwinner so i'm gonna keep on working and then watching her struggle and seeing her pain and being like i need your help and it's like I am helping. I'm paying all the bills. God but like, damn it. What's going on? Yeah. 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 And I, and I, I definitely have like a, have a relationship with money that definitely needs some work on because I still really attach to financial gain and, you know, I make the money so I should be able to do whatever I want. But like, really, that's a really unhealthy narrative to have in your not brain. A good, not a good, not a good road to go yeah. down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think, well, let me take a couple of steps back here. Now that with the awareness of the kid, the wife, the responsibilities of employees and functioning businesses, like you cut paychecks, man, like people depend on you uh, professionally and personally with those two things in mind, how do you structure your perfect day? What does that look like mm. now? Way to put the pressure on me there. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> people depend on you, man. Yeah. You know, I really don't ever associate with that. 
it's like it's like I think of businesses as separate entities to ourselves. Mm. I don't think of them as like this is my business. That's like oh, that's the business there. Mm. That's a separate thing. That's not me. You know, right? Again, not attaching your identity to it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I always talk about business as a third person. Like I'll always be Fable, or you know, Fable needs to do this, or but it's not me. I don't need to do that. The business needs to do this, and it's like all of your employees help that person business air quotes business do that. Oh. Um, so I never really attach with like I'm responsible for them. It's like we are all responsible for the well being of this thing. Interesting. Uh, I got kind of lost sorry. No, there. Uh, no. But we'll come back to the question. But how do you um, how do you employ that? paradigm onto your employees like how how do you pass that on to them uh i think setting up systems okay. and culture and trying to hire the right people and not and to say like i i mean i hope that people are listening to this that used to work for me and work for me now i think it's such an interesting pr perspective taking thing because you know through through transition there is so much hardship and i i just bought out my business partners like six eight months ago oh very recent okay yeah and uh you know there was a huge transition there um you know, like when, when people are used to a business running in a certain way and everything's going, but it's not quite working and things aren't being communicated properly, it's it, it, really, it, it jars them when you go to change things and when you make things different. Mm. Um, so so some people are, are like, you know, through transition, they're like, oh, you can't do this. You can't run this business. It's not going to be successful. Mm. And it's like, man, I've ran this business for six years and I've started three other businesses. And it's like, mm. I knew myself, I knew how to do it. But like hearing that constantly from other people is like, shit. <laughs> Like you, you kind of be like you, you can, you can set your boundaries with it, but it still affects you a little bit. Of you know, course. you're still, you're still, it's still coming at you. So you have to, you have to learn how to be pretty resilient and have some thick skin. Uh, but creating the right culture and hiring the right people that are like, yes, I see you trying to be the best man that you can be. I see you making the efforts. And with that means being vulnerable, admitting your own shit not trying to have all the answers because nobody has all the answers, keeping your ego in check and uh, making sure that you have the team that that is your cheerleader and you're their cheerleader as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I definitely think that it takes time to build and time to get there. But once it's leveled off, man, it's 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 amazing. And learning how to lead like that is has been a very long journey for myself. It's not like you wake up and you know how to do it. Leadership is learned. Leadership is a skill. Leadership is not something you're born with. It's I don't care in, what absolutely. anybody says. Mm -hmm. Some people can have aspects of a leader like born in, born within them or they can be raised with good values put on them to be a leader. But I mean, leadership training, that's coaches, leadership coaches, business coaches, that's why they exist. Mm -hmm. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I do... I want to jump back to the perfect day question because I'm really interested in that. Mm -hmm. But my curiosity is just jawing at me. I had um I have a weird relationship with the concept of of ego, right? Like it, me too. Let's I, talk about that. Like I was at a point where I was like, okay, this is a bad thing, right? Like this is a bad I feel thing. You, man. Like my my this is like a separate person that is leading me down a wrong path, and like like externally, like can validate, like you can validate a huge ego, but like internally, this is complete mayhem. This is not good. This is not sustainable. This is going to lead to destruction. We need to stop. And I went completely down this like ego dissolution route where I was like, oh, no, no, like, you know, being sensitive to it and other people being sensitive to it myself, like understanding when I was acting from a place of ego, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just getting totally on my, you know, spiritual Hornby shit, um, which I loved. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, this shit's actually necessary to a certain extent. You just got to tame it. You got to train it in some way. It's like having a, a like a bull mastiff dog or something. It's like that thing is powerful and it can't jump on people. But it's also beautiful in the same sense. I haven't honed in my relationship with ego yet. Where are you at with it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I still, I'm on the very much the same page as you. I think I'm a, I don't know how old you are. I think I'm a decade older than you. If not, <laughs> if not a little bit older than you. And I'm like, I just started this journey of like, wondering what the hell the ego was, you know? And until, uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of psychedelics and, and mm -hmm. you know, experimenting with them and, and seeing where they go. And I think that those definitely give an interesting perspective on your ego. And I definitely still have a hard time. Like, I almost like disown my ego, you know? Mm -hmm, like you mm -hmm. said, it's like, man, this thing, this guy's it's an dirty, asshole. dirty, you know? Like, yeah, it's not yeah. good. Mm -hmm. But like, it does keep you safe and it does keep you alive. And I, med I meditate on that a lot. And I like deep think on that a lot because I mean, I still am on more of the side of it's a, it's a hard thing to deal with, but it does, it's about tuning into it and listen, like 
you're aware of it. So the fact that you can be present with how your ego shows up is pretty impressive at your age. Mm. Because, I mean, it took me 33 years to even be like, oh, my ego's a this little is out a of thing. control. Yeah. 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 So, you know, just being being aware of it, step one, being like, oh, I have an ego and I and I know where I'm rigid in my in my thinking uh, is huge. And I for me, I still have a hard time seeing the benefit really of where yeah. it comes in yeah yeah for sure yeah no i i i don't know that i agree i don't know that i disagree yeah either yeah, yeah I, I know like it's it's like shit it's one of those things like it's such a mental exercise where you toss and you turn over it because it's like i still haven't had the experience of building anything outside of like my ego that's been powerful like my ego's built some pretty cool things and it's like it's built some cool people and it's 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 made me into a cool leader and it's accomplished some things but like outside of my ego i haven't seen the firepower and so you're like well i like firepower you know like i i want juice <laughs> you know what i'm saying and that's how i get juice so it's like well how can i find you know it feels like that's just like nitrous octane you know and it's like okay well how do i get like renewable energy in my ego (laughs) yeah i I think that uh that just just like ripping off of that a little bit i think it's more so just creating a healthy relationship with your ego and being and and acknowledging it because you never want to push away things inside of you like you never want to push your parts away right your younger parts your reactivity your anger um your jealousy like you don't want to push that away it's there to teach you something it's there to show you something like when you're angry, it's because it's trying to tell you something. Mm. You're resentful of somebody. You're not having a conversation. You're not listening to yourself. You're not listening to your needs. So it's more about saying, I hear you. Thank you for the information, but I'm not going to act from that place. Mm. And being the aware, conscious man moving forward will re- will react from a grounded, open-hearted space of this is how the man in my life would deal with it. Or the king archetype would deal with it. Oh, here we go. Um, how have your archetypes changed over the years? And for those Ooh. that don't know, like maybe pretty, you can explain that a little bit. I like I oh, man, I don't know how long we could spend on this, but uh, I mean, I don't really identify with too many archetypes, only because, Perfect. only because, I have not like really it's not like a place of interest for me dude me neither i'm so glad that you said that honestly man like <laughs> this is like this Good. is this is one of these things where it's like oh i'm this or oh, i'm that so i i i act this way or like oh i'm a virgo so i act this way it's no, like no, no. i truly We're not getting in the stars and like con- i truly no. like listen like that's cool and if that gives you like a sense of identity and a place of direction and a place yeah. to go from like i'm all for it man but i'm like i'm looking at all these things that are like written down on these pieces of paper and i'm like none of this works yeah yeah <laughs> like none yeah. of this works and it, it's changed a hundred times like within the day <laughs> oh you could be you could be any archetype really like it just does it doesn't matter so for me it's like you know i, I hear about it it just doesn't really resonate with me totally um i just use that as an example for the people that do associate with that like they will get it but i mean just acting from an open-hearted space where you're your true authentic self and you're grounded and you know what your truth is because mm. at the end of the day we all just need to speak our truth and that's where confidence and ego comes from okay let me play devil's advocate here is like how do you know what your truth is because Mm. there's listen your mind's playing tricks on you your ego's playing tricks on you your physical self is playing tricks on you so when you when you look yourself in the mirror and go to those deep depths and think okay what is actually pure what's pure intention within me what's truth within me what's truth within the universe like what is truth like it's so hard. You were looking through six different layers of glass trying to figure out what the fuck that object is on the other side. The truth is very personal. My truth is very different from your truth. Of course. And of it course. could be on the same thing. Of course. So I'd say first, the truth is personal, and two, use your values to help guide you. Right. Food. Anyways, yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. I couldn't agree more. Like with so that ties in perfectly to the initial question, which was what is the perfect day for you and how do your values guide you there um, into determining what the quote unquote perfectly structured or perfectly experienced day is? Yeah, well, th- this is for me. So everybody's, you know, some people are going to be v- very different. Than hey, mine. it's about you right now, man. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, to get to the perfect day, it was more so, I was asked that three years ago and that question really just, open my mind up to what is possible. Really? Yeah, because it's like, what is your perfect day and how do you make your life live a perfect day every day? Yeah. And then it was like, shit, that's a good goal to work towards. 
right? Okay. Um, You're coming so, on my edge of my seat right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so first is like establishing values. Uh, you know, values for me have changed a lot. I still struggle with it. I don't like finance finances as like one of my core values, but it is. Um, so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it definitely finances help a lot, especially in this expensive ass city and having a family. And so, you know, some decisions I make are, are financially based. Like that's where I make a lot of my decisions from. Um, family is my first priority. It's definitely the biggest one. And do what does it take away time with my son? Does it take a time with my wife? Because being at the end of the day, when everything goes to shit and I'm down or I'm up, those are the people that I celebrate with. Mm -hmm. And no matter what happens, they're going to have my back and that's my community. Um, so myself is an, another, like my self-care and looking after my needs and what I, what I need to go through is definitely a big value. Mm. Uh, and I think that's not to put that shit on anyone else, but I mean, I think that should be everybody's value is what do sure. you need before you take care of anyone else or yeah. before you take care of anything else in your life? What do you need? Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I, I have a pretty, pretty intense morning routine, which oh. uh, I will wake up between five and six, uh, which will be followed by a stretch and then workout of some kind for an hour, like cardio, run, spin class, something along those lines. Then breath work, Wim Hof, or Whoa. or every day. Yeah, damn. Uh, something along those lines for half an hour. For half an hour? Yeah, it usually <sighs> takes 20, 25 to thirty-five minutes. I mean, I mean, sometimes it's a little bit less, but I'll do some form of meditation in the morning. Gen like ninety percent of the time, it's breath work. Twenty minutes of breath work will get you going. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a powerful way to start your day. There's Holy. no question about it. Uh, that's, that's like that's like 2019 Vancouver health and wellness version of like I get up in the morning I take a shot of Jack and I get going yeah, you know yeah. like <laughs> it's honestly the same thing like I challenge anyone go do you know like 25 minutes of like good breath work and you're gonna be Google like, Google Wim Hof yeah, guided you breath work on YouTube and yeah. like there'll be a hundred videos there and if you're curious about it it is yeah. extremely powerful and I started that three years ago and I would say that is like probably one of the biggest shifts of consciousness that I've ever had. Totally, man. Um, and then journaling, uh, like a gratitude journal. Uh, I fall off of that one probably the most. Yeah. Like I go on and off with that one, but I, I definitely see the benefits of staying on it. Yeah. Uh, and that generally takes about two hours of my morning. And Crazy. so I try to get that out of the way before my kid gets up or just as my kid and wife are getting up. And then I can uh, dive into the day with my family, spend a little bit of time with my kids, send them off to daycare. Um, going to work, uh, make sure my team has what they need. Obviously that, that changes from day to day. Uh, community is in, and another value of mine. I mean, I, I, I find so much strength with my community and, and from the relationships that I hone around. Uh, so I'll reach out to one of them for half an hour a day. Wow. Um, and just have conversations like this, you know, talk about consciousness and what, Sick. where does the world go and what are our values, yeah. you know, and, yeah, and yeah, what yeah. do we want to build and what are we working towards? Yeah. So, I uh, definitely love like insight and, and deep conversation. Uh, and then, you know, it, being a chef and working in restaurants, I, I feel compelled. Like I have a hard time detaching from working nights. Cause I mean, I mean, when You're I first, when I first started taking weekends off, I, I used to sit at home on a Saturday night in like a pit of anxiety being like, I should be online right now. This doesn't feel right. You know, and it was, it took a lot of work to detach from that. Right. So just cause like, 20, I've been cooking for 25 years now and like 23 years of my life, that's what I was doing every Saturday night. So, uh, that was a hard thing to, to, to not get into. Um, so yeah, I definitely am way happier when I have nights off with my family and I'm home and I can go to bed early. I love going to bed at like nine o'clock, um, reading something expansive. Mm -hmm. something that I'm learning about most like I'm really into like deep trauma work and some weird shit and like psychology. So I generally read some books based on that and then uh, go to bed at like nine, 10, Love it, man. wake up and do it all over again. I and that's kind of where, where my focus is. And if things fuck with that, I hate it. Yeah. So, yeah. You really notice it once you like start to, once you start to grab the wheel before you drive every day, when you don't grab the wheel before you drive over every, uh, every day, it seems extremely idiotic. And like, a, I'm, I'm very similar. Like I, I, 
yeah, my shit goes off the rails, son. Like <laughs> if I don't I take that time in the morning, like it's literally, it's, it's everything at this point in my life. It's probably the most consistent thing. Like that's awesome. At like, it's just like nothing. I'm like so into it. Like nothing can move. That's um, that's amazing it. though for your age. You know, when I, how old are you? I'm 23. Yeah. When I was 23, I was waking up hungover, watching porn, beating <laughs> off and then, and then like getting my day started, maybe go to the gym for like a half hour shitty workout and yeah. like, you know, total, total avoidant behavior. What's actually going on. Dude. Like once you, you just got to taste a little bit of like, I, I have an addictive nature for sure. And like, as soon as I start feeling benefits, seeing benefit, like, mentally is huge dude like we even though we're just a decade apart like we grew up in very different times man like my attention is uh it's so hard for me to be attentive as a young person like it's like this fucking thing is just like absolute killing the phone is the devil man i've had devil. so many fucking meditations and like i've had i've had a day where my my leadership coach told me to he he saw how much i'm i'm wrapped up in doing things and getting things done and He's like, take one day where you do nothing and get served on where you put away your phone. You're not allowed to do anything. You can't even journal. Like you cannot do a thing. You cannot do yoga. You the can't, most, sorry, you cannot do a thing. You cannot do like, you're just you are, chilling. You, you're, you're straight chilling. You can't read. <laughs> uh, meditation is okay. Yeah. Um, but you can't do anything and people have to serve you. So I told, I ran this by my wife and she's like, what the fuck? No. And I was like, okay, like give, give her some context on it. And then she was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I could, I could get down with that. And, uh, and so I did it. And you know, the, the, the biggest thing I came realization with is like technology is the goddamn devil. It's crazy. And like, I didn't like, I, I journal about that quite a lot. And, uh, yeah, like my day, like my phone can throw me off my rails so fast because you know, you, you, you're open to so much input, Instagram, instant messages, DMing, fucking problems on email problems with your businesses people News, emailing anything. you this isn't going to happen quote uh, you know people asking for quotes people asking for things from you and it's like you just give your energy to your phone it's crazy you're just passing off all your power to your phone and there's a there's a couple of good podcasts out there just random ones on like how to how to set boundaries with your phone but you know what i'm really trying to hone in on is like put your phone on airplane mode for, for 90% sure. of the day and you control it mm. as opposed to it controlling you look at instagram for 20 minutes and do what you need to on it a day but don't just sit there and fucking scroll um it's brutal man like we i think it was cal newport i don't know uh was like a digital digital detox digital something of that nature mm -hmm. i don't know um, i'm terrible uh he was going through one of his quotes was the average person in a session of instagram like a session like i open the app i start going um, sees 150 images Fuck. like that's so unnatural right? to see 150 images like right now there is one image that's like continuously playing in my in my mm. eyesight like i'm not meant to see that many different situations that many different contexts like it literally throws your brain into this crazy anxiety loop it's wild i was i had a workout this morning and like i reached like i used to use a gym app and i, I stopped using a gym app because i'm just like you lift, you sprint, you sweat, you do whatever, you log it. And I'm like, why am I picking this fucking thing <laughs> up constantly? You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I, I think it's, I don't know if it's the root of all problems. I just think, and I don't think that technology is the devil. I just think that we as humans are in, like, oh, yeah, I say that, I say that half joking, right? I'm not that, dead here. I'm not like, but I mean, the phone can, can create so many issues, dude. It's, it's, it's unfathomable. I truly think like when I say the phone is killing us, like I'm, I really mean that. Like, mm -hmm. I think that a lot of suicides, a lot of like detrimental activity is rooted in what comes off that screen. Um, I'm subject to it as well. We're all subject to it. I'm sure like my, I, I have to, I literally have to be available pretty much constantly. And I'm sure that you do as well so it's like setting boundaries on that is is extremely difficult because it's such a slippery slope it's insane and so it's like you know for instance instagram is one like you run a you run a very successful business uh you're a figure you're a public figure like you're you need there's a certain level of you i don't know i don't want to say you need i'm hypothesizing that you need in order to maintain or continue to grow your business to have that online exposure what do oh, you yeah. think i mean i would say that like Instagram for me is a business is a business thing, you know. Like I share I share things with the world on it that I think that 
if I can affect one person with it, it's viable. Yeah. It's like, you know, if I can get one person to see that and be like, shit, I'm struggling with that too. You know, I share pretty vulnerably on there because as I said, I think it's really important for us to see, see our struggles within one another to gain awareness and power because some people aren't even aware of what's going on, but it's like, oh, he gets, he, like, he's talking about getting reaction, reactive in this certain situation. It's like, man, actually I get reactive like that too. Hmm, Mm. Maybe I should look at that. That is my goal. Like that Mm. is like, oh, it just brings a little tidbit of awareness to how people are acting because I am insanely reactive in many different situations. <laughs> and a lot of people are just reactive. Like I used to just say the line, you know, that's just the way I am, where it's just, that is that's a cop out. Yeah, cop that's out. a complete cop out, right? Yeah. Well, I'm Trevor Bird and I am this person and I'm, and so I, this person does not do that. That's not a way <laughs> that I think, that's not a place that I go, no. Yeah. Which is just like, man, Shooting yourself in the foot, bro. Yeah. And the other thing I would say with with about Instagram and everything is like, you know, in my industry, looking at other chefs and other and other people in the food industry, it's like looking at what they're doing can send me into a pit of anxiety. Like ah. now, now I, I've definitely done a lot of work around that and I, and I get it. Um, but I've stopped following a lot of people because it's like, oh, why am I not at this event? Why am I not doing what they're doing? You know, and it's like, I'm like you, like, like you said, like, you're always like, I appreciate it. You're always like, oh, you're so successful, Trevor. And you have all these successful businesses and this and that. It's like, I still got struggles, man. And yeah. it's like, you know, there's, it, it, it looks good from the outside and for sure. But I mean, on the inside, it's still, yeah. it's still a shit fight and it's still super hard to get everything going. And, you know, of course we, we always want to be part of everything, which is goddamn impossible. And there's so much fucking information out there. So much. Yeah. That's, we're always like, oh, why am I not there? And why events and da, 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 Yeah. Yeah, and, you, and like, again, like that that attachment thing of like, I put my value on my business and I'm only valuable as a person if I'm here and there. And it's like, that's another important part about detaching from these different parts of you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, social media is a really challenging thing to navigate. Really how, challenging. How do you, as a, as a chef now, as a business owner, like, how do you we're very similar in that we're very serious people. Like I feel as if, if you're going to do something, you probably want it done very well. Um, and you probably want to, you know, put a lot of time, effort, energy, and you want a good product. Um, this is kind of what your work would show. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's some level of perfection, uh, perfectionness. There's a perfectionist aspect to that. There's also like a little bit of a obsessive, uh, quality to that as well. Um, now you, you seem like you've changed a little bit and as someone who identifies with those earlier traits that I just mentioned, um, in terms of doing things that you're proud of and standing behind them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you seem like you're just having a lot more fun these days. Um, and <laughs> just like your interactions and, and how you speak, how you present yourself as someone who is in that spot of seriousness. Um, how are you having more fun? Like you just seem to be performing just as well. But having yeah, more fun. Thanks, man. That's 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 a really nice compliment, actually. So I <laughs> no, really appreciate no that. No problem, man. Uh, like I appreciate the the fact that that I mean, I, I I guess I'm appreciating the fact that I'm actually putting that energy out there. And I'm appreciating the fact that that you you can comment on that and that cool, you did man. comment on that. So thank you. No, no worries. Um I think the first time I met you was at the Breathwave class. Yeah. And uh, that is a fucking wild experience. Um, you know, you go and you're like, oh, what's this about? Like, I have one guy coming, I think. Are you going to the next one? Uh, I don't know. When the, when's the next one? December 15th. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll this, I, I invited this one guy and I don't think he knows what to expect. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, yeah, breath work. It's like workout. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like an emotional fucking workout for sure. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So anyway, in that class, I uh, like, I've had so much heavy issues to deal with over the past three years. I mean, my whole upbringing as a as a kid has been extremely traumatic, mm-hmm. extremely unsafe. Uh, and when I say that, I, I mean, you know, abusive household, tons of neglect, tons of physical, emotional, uh, avoidant abuse, uh, not having a father around, having an abusive brother around, like just the list goes on and on and sure, on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've really been attacking this stuff for the past three years in therapy and trying to move through it. And it's been, it was bogging me down. And those are the things that made me super serious, made me a perfectionist, made me very, I'm going to say rigid, 
mm-hmm. uh, because if I was not that way, I was going to get hurt. Yeah. If I was not a perfectionist, I was going to get abused. Mm-hmm. If I was not, if I, if I didn't do this food fucking perfectly, I would be a failure, yeah. you know, and that's where I put all my value. And from everybody should be in therapy. That's my belief. And from working through all of these triggers and all of these emotional setbacks and my anxiety, and I would say I was I was destined to be born with anxiety and a high level of anxiety. Wow. I was born uh, addicted to a steroid that my mother was on because she had a crazy autoimmune skin rash. Mm. Uh, so it's like the second that I was born, it's like I was anxious. Yeah. You know, and then growing up in a, a, a difficult family, it was like more anxiety, not feeling safe, not having parents that could be there for me and hold emotional space for me, more anxiety. It's like, it's like my anxiety has been an overwhelming thing my for 35 years. So actually diving into that anxiety and like attacking that straight on has been the most fucking hard thing I've ever done, mm. but the most liberating thing I've ever done. And in that breathwork class, my whole life's pattern unfolded in 10 minutes. Wow. And I was at the end of it, I was asking like, where's the space for joy? Where's the space in my life to just like be happy and and accept all of this great shit that I have going on around me? And uh, I think since then it's been a pretty big shift and I feel a lot more positive emotions than I do negative emotions. And I, lo- I feel a lot more joyous and I feel a lot more like I can, I can handle challenges a lot better. I can handle people's emotions a lot better. I don't get as reactive. I can take it on the chin. I can see scenarios objectively and not put my own shit into it. You, where is the space for joy? Can we just go to that a little bit? Yeah. What is that? So I understand what you're saying in terms of like, my life is so jam packed with like, Failure, anxiety, stress, et cetera, et cetera. Emotional experiences, um, failed endeavors, successful endeavors, shit. Where's the space for joy? So you had that realization. You're like, oh my gosh, here's a pattern that I'm in. It's, it's. My wife has always told me, she's like, I want to have more fun with you and I want to laugh with you more. And dude, it's like, it's like, fuck. What I'm a killer serious, fucking thing to hear, right? dude. Like, it's like. So now what? So, okay, Trevor, you got to create space for fun. <laughs> well, so, so the, you know, the, th- the thing is, it's, it's just about bringing the awareness piece to that. It's not like you have to do anything with it. Mm. But it's just, oh, man. Like when you make those neural connections in your brain of, wow, I have not really felt joy in a very long time. That being said, I have been working through a ton of shit. So... Mm-hmm. You know, our, our, our system is loaded with emotional experiences from mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. And when we actually give space to these to express themselves, I don't want to get too heady. I mean, I sound like- Go, 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 man. When, when you give yourself permission and you create a safe community and a safe space to actually process these emotions that you are pushing down and you are repressing, you make more space to be able to put other emotions there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from what I'm hearing from you, it's like you you suffer from a lot of this stuff as well. You know, mm-hmm. like you you have a lot of anxiety and a and a and a drive to perform and get things right. Angst. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like th- there's nothing wrong with that. It's just what you were taught. And when you can actually get to the underlying pieces to that of why you're like that and like what is what what's wrong, like what if you don't perform this way, what's gonna happen? And what's your belief behind that? You know, there's a safety thing there where it's like, if I don't do this, I'm not gonna feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the, like, for me, it's like, if I did not perform perfectly, I was going to get physically abused. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the belief that I had up until I was 33, where it's like, wait a minute, you process that, you get really fucking angry at the situation mm-hmm. because you're like, you fucking assholes, you could not, even provide this for your own child, process that rage, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like, scream, yell, punch a pillow, throw yeah. things. Breath wave's crazy. Yeah, yep. <laughs> fucking great it is. You know, like, and, and, and become aware of those core emotions that are there. And then it's like, okay, you can actually now 
see those situations where you, when you see your perfectionism or your anxiety creep in, it's like, I see you. Yeah. I know what you're doing and it's not the truth anymore. Yeah. We're safe. Yeah. You know, and I do a lot of, I do a lot of script reading to myself and wow. uh, I, I actually just took it off my phone recently because um, I feel like I've healed through it, but I've had a manifestation thing on my phone where just stating that I am safe, mm. I can, you know, I'm not in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude, that, that's like... I can't, like I'm not, I do not let situations I can't control, control my emotions. Um, you know, and, and just like when things get out of control, it's like take deep breaths and just recite like these things that you write down to yourself to keep yourself safe in a regulated environment. Because if not... I'm sure you can feel this, your anxiety starts to like creep up and then you start to act from that fearful, anxious space, which is, can create a lot of disconnection from people and it can be pretty, pretty unhealthy. Yeah, it's not intelligent. It's just not a smart thing to do. I, so it's, I don't think people like understand the, the truth behind like reciting something or scripting something to yourself. Like what that means is that you are so entrenched in like a way of feeling, a way of thinking that like you have to go as far as repeating something that means something deeply to you as many times as humanly fucking possible to get it through your head. Like people don't understand how entrenched, like you are trying to break down brick walls that are in like, damn, oh, man, this, feel is, like this is so the impossible. best thing I've heard, right? It's like your, your brain and your psyche is like a, is like a jungle, right? And we from a young, young age have been taking the same trail in that jungle for 30 years, 23 years, right? So of course that that trail is perfectly carved out for us. It's like our reactivity shows up. It's because we know that reactivity. That's how we've been reacting our whole fucking life. Mm-hmm. But when you start to write yourself a new story is when you start to go off trail and you start to cut through the bush. And the first time you the awareness is just like, oh, there's another way. And when you start to see that other way and you start to try to take that thing, it's not going to go perfectly. No. You're going to be crawling over shit, trying to figure it out. But the more that you repeat those things to yourself, the script to yourself, or just be aware of what's going on and choosing to take that other path, it's just going to get more honed out and more honed out and more honed out. And then, you know, in another three, five, 10, 15 years, you're going to have a whole new tool and a whole new pathway to get to the same spot. And it's not going to take the same amount of work. It's going to be a beaten down trail. Exactly. Yeah, it's always so. So, so it's one thing to work with this, to work with these ideas within yourself. It's one thing to create space within yourself. You now have a a, a, a task in front of you of creating this space uh, for your employees, your chefs, your cooks, your your front of house staff. Like creating this and having this awareness within yourself is beautiful and an accomplishment in itself. But in an industry you know, such as the restaurant business, which from my experience can be super toxic in the back end, like tough, like tough. How do you do it there? Oh man. So this is, uh, this is, this is, there's two things I want to say. First thing is, is just one, one tool that I use that I just want to share with everyone. So hopefully maybe this, this, you know, people can take something from this is when, whenever I sit down with staff for one-on-ones, just the catch up of what's going on, whenever they, whenever they, they share feedback, I always repeat a script saying, I'm strong, I can do this. I'm strong, I can do this. Mm. Because it's really hard when people, it's hard to receive feedback, especially when you're sitting down with three or four people in a day and they're just gonna pound you with like, you know, this isn't right, this isn't right, you're not doing this right. And it's really hard not to wear that personally, but it's not about you. No. And so to detach from that, I'm strong, I'm safe, I'm strong, I'm safe. So when they're telling me the feedback, I'm constantly telling myself this and that keeps me from buying into this is my fault. Look what I did. I can't believe I did this. But I didn't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a constant reminder of that keeps me safe in that, in that space and allows me the space to hear their, their feedback without me putting my shit into it. And that's what I mean by put my shit into it. Mm. So, so that's one strong tool of what I use almost on a daily to weekly basis mm-hmm. and where a script comes in handy. And the second thing is, is that, yes, like you just said, is creating the space within you to be able to hold space for other people. I mean, I, I'm at the point now where I, I feel this calling to create more of a movement in the industry because a lot of people, like you said, the industry, you know, I'm going to go as far as the world has a lot of, a lot of angst and a lot, then has a lot of, what was the word you used? You used I don't know. Word. Turmoil. I don't know what I said. Yeah. Like everything, like a lot yeah. of, a lot of industries have a lot of, a lot of hurt. A lot of entrepreneurs feel very isolated and 
I have done enough work on myself where I feel that I can hear other people's experiences and help guide them through some shit only because of personal experience. I have been there. I have been so deeply attached to my identity that, you know, I'm reactive as hell and I'm emotional as hell. So I've worked through these things and I feel like I can create a space for other people to work through that. And it's just a safe space where you can share vulnerably and we can hold the space for that. Because mm -hmm. I mean, the, you know, being an entrepreneur or being somebody that's on their own uh, and chefs, it's like, you know, we tell ourselves stories that I'm alone. Nobody else wants to hear my shit. Nobody else yeah. wants, nobody else knows my struggle. And that's what you're, you, that's what you're, <laughs> I guess your shadow is going to say to yourself, your shadow is going to say to yourself, like nobody wants to hear you. Nobody wants, no, you're alone in this. You know, you don't have a community. Yeah. You can't do this, but just being in a space where you can share some of your deepest secrets or maybe not deepest secrets, but it's challenges like, Hey man, like I can't stop fucking drinking after service. And crazy. It's, it's hard. And like, or it's like, I have crazy anxiety during service. It's like, you tell that to your chef who's not ready to save space for that. He's gonna be like, I don't fucking care. Holy fucking shit. Work. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, being able to to hear that and be like, what's that like for you? Mm. Is is very healing. So you shared a couple of ways of how you actually create that environment that fosters this type of I'm just gonna say healthy behavior. Is there anything else on like the, that that you see in the kitchen or the restaurant industry, front of house, back of house, that it's just like, yeah, you know, this is not the way that we should be doing things that's conducive to like I think that that's conducive to personal development. Like I think that we, we need to rethink our businesses in a way like the only way to have a truly effective business. I think again, a theory is to like disguise them as personal development companies or disguise <laughs> these, like these companies, like in what we're really doing here is we're developing humans. Like that's really it. I think that's the only way to win and like create that community, that sense of camaraderie, like uh, higher human ROI, et cetera, et cetera, ultimately affecting your bottom line. But it's just like, you need to build humans and help them and like understand them. So how do you do that? in a restaurant industry. Yeah, I think that working on yourself is one. Mm -hmm. Get a therapist, get a coach, get somebody. Like just work on yourself, sure. learn your triggers, learn where you're reactive, learn where you get emotionally hijacked, yeah. where you just can't, where you, if you're ruminating, ruminating is a great like Ooh. piece of awareness. When you start ruminating, there's a lot of strength there. That is like, that is a trigger for you that you need to work on. You know, like, I can't believe this guy said this to me. I can't believe this guy said this to me. Keep on repeating yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's like, that is what needs to be looked at. Right. So uh, becoming aware of what your triggers are is like a big one. And then uh, just, just showing people that it is okay when they speak up you want to make them feel safe right. with their experience. Acknowledge their experience where, you know, I've had, I have countless amounts of, of times that I've dealt with extremely well and I'm getting way better at than I used to be because now I have the emotional capacity to do it. But then you have these scenarios like in the back where, it, you know, a couple of years ago, a decade ago, where it was like, hey, chef, like uh, this guy didn't talk to me in a very nice way. It's like, yeah, well, he's a better cook than you, so shut the fuck up. You know, it's like- Shit. Yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure, and that that is not going to create a safe environment for your employees to share experiences. Not at all. You know, but if somebody comes up to you and says, um, you know, like uh, I noticed that one of our cooks is speaking to somebody else in a in a very, you know, derogatory way. And it, it's, it's kind of scares me a little bit. It's like, okay, tell me more about that. What's yeah. happening? What's their experience? And then, and then making it be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to address this situation. And then you talk to that employee and be like, Hey, I've heard this, this, and this, what's going on with you Hear their side of the story. Like, you know, just so you know, like when you call people, you know, bitches or, you know, whatever like, it may be like derogatory terms that I don't even like saying, um, that's not okay in this place of environment. And if you do that again, mm -hmm. we're going to have to let you go or whatever, whatever. whatever right. Be. But it's just like, let setting the boundary of like creating that, that space where people have voices and you are keeping it safe where nobody feels intimidated or scared or shamed or criticized or mm -hmm. judged. Hmm. which is a, which are big ones. Trevor, I don't know a whole lot about TV, but you do not seem like the type of chef to be on top chef Canada. That just like, it blows my mind, man. <laughs> like you seem like this super freaking wholesome. And like, I don't know anything about the, your experience there, but like you just seem like not the guy that would go out and just like kill that entire series. Like, how well, kill? I mean, I lost twice. So okay. be easy, be easy on the kill. Like, <laughs> who cares? Like at the end of the day, like 
I don't know. Those what, okay. What, was it a different person say, or like I don't know? Yeah, of course, man. They were did, like like when when people ask, can people change? It's like a hundred percent people can change. Right. I, I have I, you know when I was on it in two thousand twelve, I was fucking lost in life. Lost. Mm. I didn't know who I was. I was very uncomfortable with myself. I didn't know where I was going. I had no direction. Um, so yeah, that was that was, that was definitely uh, like I I was severely fused with my chef identity. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to do this. And, you know, I didn't, I did, I, I had zero expectations when I was on in the first one and it turned out that I did really, really well. And that helped me bring me down this path and I'm so thankful for it. Where in the second one, I still didn't know who I was, um, but I was wrapped up in, in all of this perception of success. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, that was, uh, that was a hard goal. Like my brain was not in cooking at that time. And, you know, like I'm like at the end of the day, I mean, if I put my mind to something and I really try, it's like, yeah, I mean, I've been cooking for 25 years. I've worked in some really fucking good restaurants. I know how to cook extremely well. I mean, I just think that there's way more to life than 18 hours a day in a kitchen. Mm. Yes, there is. Um, off of, I guess one thing I have to ask is like, because there's no way I can have Canada Stop Chef in front of me and not ask, what's the, so we talk about like law of diminishing returns. I think that exists in cooking as well as a person that cooks like at a five out of 10 level, you know what I'm saying? Like basic things I'm there slightly advanced things. I'm still there. I'm not a cook. I'm not a chef. What's the law of diminishing returns in like cooking? Like for instance, like every guy and every girl listening right now is like, okay, all right, boyfriend's coming home. Girlfriend's coming home. I'm going to make X, Y, Z. What's the one thing you can kind of like continually go through where it's like, it's not that hard to fuck it up. You like, and it's still super fucking good. Like, let's be honest. Like, let's let's just get past like I don't know spaghetti and meatballs. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's that one dish for you, man? I gotta one ask dish, you. I don't know, man. That's a hard question. But I would say like my whole philosophy on cooking now is like stress free cooking. It's like how do you make cooking as stress free as possible? Okay, right? yeah. Especially for home cooking, because mm. like nobody wants to like when you're entertaining, you don't want to be like in the kitchen. Like when I get in the kitchen, I get super intense and not obviously very, and not very friendly. So I'm not like, Oh guys, how's it going? Yeah, sure. You yeah. know, like I'm like, oh, shut up. I got to get this thing done. And then, uh, you know, yeah, like yeah, trying yeah. to get everything done. So like so methodically. Um, but I mean, I would say that the, my, like a good power move is set, <laughs> yeah, that's it. What's the yeah, power move? <laughs> yeah, set your oven to 200 degrees Fahrenheit, get a nice big piece of fish, olive oil, salt, and then just like bake it in the oven for, 200 degrees Fahrenheit. That's very, very low temperature. Yeah. It's like the temperature of a hot tub. Yeah. So you just like put the fish in there and just let it chill out for a bit. Saute up a, veg a bunch of vegetables. By the time you're done, if your fish is in there for 20 minutes or an hour, it's not going to overcook. It's going to be perfectly cooked. And then you just like put it on top of your vegetables and Cheat you're code. good to go. Yeah. Cheat code. I love it. I love it. So how do you, uh, I know we're, we're scarce for time here, but I want to ask, I'm super uh, I'm a little bit environmentally friendly, a little bit, quite a bit environmentally friendly. Mm -hmm. And so when I like I have a weird relationship with like food and, 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 and grocery shopping and like things of that nature. Yeah. Um, like I wish I just had the money to like go to a farmer's market every day and mm -hmm. just like go like that's like like we have our own like parameters of success that's like literally my parameter of success like i'm gonna go spend a thousand dollars at a grocery like at a, at a farmer's market let's let's go like i'm about to throw some money around here like yeah. that's that's one of the things for me where i'm like all right i'm good i've made it um anyway so i have a weird relationship with that i hate going to like superstore and like dealing with the uh like level of like produce there and then things like that and like even the little things like like you go by cilantro and you throw it in a little plastic bag and like it probably goes bad. How do you approach plastic, all that stuff, man? man? Plastic is my nemesis. Like I that's just, what like, I'm saying. Like, I, like in the food world too, it's just fucking everywhere. Because everything you is like double packaged. It. I know it's brutal, man. So man. how do you like personally at home? Like how do you shop? Like I'm. This is a selfish question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, well, you know, meat me is a great way to shop yeah. for your meat. <laughs> plug, um, plug, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but even that comes in like individually vac-packed plastic bags like everything you just can't escape it man yeah. and like I'm, I'm not the person to to ah. know, i'm aware of it i try to minimize it i try to minimize buying my kid plastic toys except for nerf guns yeah damn. nerf guns are sick was, yeah right yeah like whatever yeah well kind of but this styrofoam <laughs> everything about them are shit but yeah. like yeah so 
yeah, plastic is a, is a hard thing to navigate these days. I know there's initiatives, but man, it, it breaks my heart. No question. Damn. I thought, oh, I was hoping. I was like, if anyone has an answer, it's him. Because like, I don't know I saw how to this, get around it. I saw it. this paper that's like coated in beeswax. That's okay. kind of cool. All right. And it's like environmentally friendly, but. Yeah. I'm into it. I just, yeah. I do. I do want to, I do want to plug in one more thing though. But like my initiative for 2020 mm. is to uh, host some masterminds once a month uh, oh. for the food and beverage industry out of my restaurant uh, to create a safe environment where entrepreneurs, industry people can come in and uh, it would be limited to a certain amount of people for sure. uh, every month and uh, just have an open mastermind roundtable discussion around what the challenges are, what you want to build, how can a group support you in building what you want to build? Because mm. at the end of the day, you know, whether we're trying to build our family, trying to build our business, trying to build whatever, um, we're all trying to build something. We could mm. all, do, all use support. And like I said, I, I feel that I'm at the point right now where I can definitely facilitate um, a room for that. So that's kind of what I'm building up to. Cool, man. What's the one thing that you think the restaurant industry in Vancouver could use? Is there an overarching message that you think our industry is is missing right now? Good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to, I, I, I just think that, that we should all be aware more of, of what we're doing. I mean, I think that there's a lot of initiatives in the industry right now based around mental health and bring awareness to to heal the industry, so to speak. Um, and I think it's it's amazing. But uh, the the big but there is that the the ways of which we're going about it could definitely be improved upon. And I think that creating creating the safe space for younger cooks mm -hmm. and younger people in the industry to be able to share vulnerably and share their experience and have a chef that is aware enough to be able to hold a space for them is kind of like what needs to be done. The, the, my belief is that's what needs to happen. Hmm. Do you think that Vancouver is a world-class food city? Out of 10, like a six. What needs to happen for it to be a world-class food city? Oh, that is a whole other podcast. A whole other podcast. Yeah. It totally is. But I just got back from Australia. Ah. And that like Melbourne is a complete world-class food city. What sure. makes it a world-class food city? The amount of people willing to go out and eat, the price of food, how sustainable it is in terms of like how many, how people are willing to spend money and uh, the quality of food. Um, mm. on every every like the world they, every chef that has something good set up there is fucking delicious amazing yeah um two things here and then we'll wrap i want it so you you mentioned uh, uh hosting masterminds and, and things of this nature which is awesome and, and bringing that community together should i have like six questions just popped into my head but we'll go with this one um why or sorry what is your um what's your end game like we did in I'm like I come from an athletic background. Mm -hmm. Like the the clock starts and the clock stops, and there's a winner and there's a loser, and those are easy to define. In business, I don't think that we have like an end game. Mm -hmm. I ask myself that question all the time. Like, what do you, what, like what what success? How do you define success? What are you working towards? And for a person like you, that's just again bought partners out or exited businesses or started new ones. Like Trevor, what's the end game? What are the parameters what of hearing, your game? What I'm hearing is what's my end game in business? In business, yeah. in business, yes. Um, create a business that uh, that can help me facilitate the life that I want to lead. Oh. Yeah, that's the best answer. I, I, I can't give it any more yeah. than that. You know? yeah. like I, I know food and beverage extremely well. I know I don't want to be doing certain things in the food and beverage industry. I know there's things that I do want to be doing. Um, and yeah, it's just like, you know, like I said, my daily routine. Don't fuck with it. Don't help fuck it. with it. I love it. it. Uh, yeah you're right i mean no that is the best answer um i i you know it is i i think that yeah I'm, I'm a numbers guy like yourself like i get caught up in that for sure and so for me i try to find something to grasp onto and work towards and think this is the north star this is the north star mm -hmm. and a lot of times the north star is not very clear a lot of times it's cloudy outside so it's like well 
we got to find a way to probably navigate from our core morals and values to actually still go that direction even when there are clouds out there. Um, you summed up this podcast very well in that like one little tidbit. Damn, that, yeah. damn it, Josh. That's that's supposed to be Trevor's line. No, Come on, no, now. no, I can't do that. Um, you did that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I my last question for you would be. Shit, man, I got asked too. I'm sorry. Um, what in the restaurant industry here in Vancouver specifically, what do you have to do? Because I feel as if we're a little bit segregated. I don't, maybe I could be wrong in that. Um, what do you have to do, you personally or Fable or the businesses you're attached to, to like foster community more? What does that mean to you? Like, I feel like Vancouver doesn't have that voice. Yeah, I, I, I'm. That's you know, I don't have full clarity on that. For sure, I'm trying to build it mm. um, through these masterminds. Like this is step one. This is baby step into it and see what can what it can turn into. I have a very foggy vision of what I want to build. Excuse me, um, but by the end of the day, I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's about creating good communities with people where people can share experiences and yeah, yeah. It's no, no clear answer. What's your one core? If you have one core uh, takeaway, what's the one core narrative? What's the one core? If Trevor Bird is a book and I just put that book down, I'm like, what did I really get from that? What's your one message? <laughs> Let me just one distill message, you down to this one little thing. One message? Look at thyself. Yeah. Uh, as a chef. Yeah. As a well, human, as a man. As a, as a human, as a man, as a woman, as a child, as everything. Just yeah. look at yourself. Cool, man. Awesome. We'll leave it there. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks, man. Oh, shit. Hold on. Keep it right there. Don't stop. Don't hit that. Thank you for the jam. Thank you for the black pepper jam. I almost forgot. Oh. I was going to I was gonna plug it at the start of this. We I just we went out, got some black pepper jam from Trevor at this farmer's market. They came market. and saw me in Abbotsford. They drove like an hour. Oh, my gosh. Listen, if you are eating meat and potatoes or whatever you're eating that's some bland-ass food, go throw that on there. I'm sure you can get it somewhere at trevorbird.ca. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll plug you for man. That yeah, shit was amazing. You can pick amazing. it up at Fable, but thank you. Pick and it up it's like Fable. available in like 40 stores across vancouver i don't know which ones though, for but, sure yeah. so definitely go get it go get that trevor where do you want people to connect with you if you would like them to even connect with you chef trevor bird on instagram you can definitely see all my motivational fun fun rah, rah, shit yeah, yeah. yeah you can see all that shit on there you get pictures of you know little insight into my life um i don't even know any other ones That's linkedin right. professionally if you want any consulting done or anything cool, and man. uh yeah cool trevor thank Fable. you so much for your time man yeah Go go get a go get a, a dinner a reservation to Fable. Boom. Sounds good. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. I really appreciate you guys going all the way to the end. Next week we have the CEO and founder of Plastic Bank, David Katz on. David Katz is internationally recognized uh, by the UN for sustainability and compassion and entrepreneurship. Uh, one of our best, if not our best, podcast to date, dropping on Tuesday. Thanks, guys.